Welcome to the Magnificat Podcast. We are an international ministry to Catholic women. Throughout this series, we will pray together, share insights, and hear amazing testimonies, typically from women of faith who have been touched by the power of the Lord in their lives. This is a decidedly Catholic podcast, and in this series, you will hopefully learn more about the Catholic faith, God, the Blessed Mother, and much more. Thanks so much for joining us. Now let's listen to a great program. Let's just um, stay in this holy place for a minute. I, I, I get such a strong sense um, that there's some here that, especially when we sang Good, Good Father, um, you're a good, good father, and I'm loved by you. There was something, although you knew that, you, you recognized that in your mind that God loves you. There's something that doesn't resonate in your heart. So let's just stay here and c- just, could we just, uh, just the chorus You're a good, good father, and I'm loved by you. And I'm just going to ask us all to receive it in a new way today. We don't want to know it in our head. We want it to so resonate in our heart that it enlightens and it empowers every cell in us because that's who we are. We're daughters and sons that are so desperately loved by the father of creation. Could you imagine the father of creation? That one that created us is in love with us. And he says, I need you to receive it. I need you to receive it because when you receive it, you really know who you are. You don't get caught up in the identity that the world has given you or the devil has given you or some voices in your past have given you. No, you get so caught up in my love in in the identity that I've chosen you to have that you walk in this world as a supernatural being, the supernatural daughter and son that you truly are. So let's just, just again, just let's, let's pray this together. This is a prayer. This is a prayer. You're a good, good father. That's us. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. This is the father telling us this. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. What's more, you're. just so excited to be together as your daughters and your sons to come and and worship you and give testimony to you the one thing that the enemy just can't tolerate and you tell us in revelations 12 17 that this dragon this enemy this devil is so infuriated when the children of God give testimony to Jesus 
so infuriated that he runs away and he stands on the shore of the sea. He stands on sand. This devil that, that so torments people doesn't stand on you, the rock. He stands on sand. Amen. So this day, Lord, as I share my testimony, Amen. reveal to each one of us our testimonies yes, and allow our lives to be so transformed yes, that this doesn't become just a nice time together, yes. a wonderful lunch, terrific time of fellowship. No, it becomes a time of yes. transformation that we're transformed truly into who you created us to yes. be, who you called it, us Lord. to be at our baptism yes. when yes. we were baptized as priest, prophet, and king. Off, Lord. Lord, there's no mistakes here. When you called us from the womb of our mothers, you called us on assignment. So there's no mistakes. So Father God, thank you. Thank you that, that you would allow me the privilege to be with my sisters and brothers this day. I ask, Lord, if there's anything in this testimony we just don't have to hear today, then erase it from my eyesight. But Lord, if there's something, some wisdom that we all need to hear, give me words for that wisdom so that it could be expressed. Thank you, Thank you, Mother Mary. As we pray in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 What a joy it is. I was here a hundred years ago, right? <laughs> I think a hundred years ago. But it's just so, so good to be back. You know, and no matter what the... Um, introductions are, you know, you're this and you're that and you have that degree and this degree and whatever. The, the reality is what excites me most is that I'm a child of God. I'm an heir to the kingdom. <laughs> We're heirs to the kingdom of God. Isn't that exciting? That's exciting, exciting stuff. And that starts now. <laughs> well, it started a long time ago. <laughs> so it's exciting to know, you know, that's, that God is, has called us here. Jeremiah 29, 11, it's a scripture you'll find in your packet. For I know well the plans I have in mind for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare, not for woe. Plans to give you a future full of hope. A future full of hope. I know there's some out there that are saying, I, I haven't had too much hope in my life. Or the things that I have planned, the things that I thought should happen, they're just not happening. But God has a purpose and a plan, and we're going to see that it, it, it's manifesting in all of our lives. We've got to grasp it, though. You know, anything we focus on grows. So when we focus on the woes, when we focus on the hurts and the pains and the woundedness, it grows. But when we focus on the God of creation, when we focus on Jesus' eyes on the cross, it becomes monumental in our lives, and we grow with him. Amen? Amen. Amen. And that's truth, huh? That's truth. You know, I, I love to, to start off everything by talking about, especially as women, who we are as women. You know, as women, and if there's any gynecologist here, you could um, 
you could confirm this for me. As women, <laughs> as women, we have, when we're in the womb of our mother, all the eggs we'll ever have to produce babies. Two million. Two million eggs. That's a lot of eggs, huh? Yeah, it's a lot of eggs. You know, and then when you consider all the, the sperm going around there, what's the chances? <laughs> what are the chances that we would even be here, right? But in fact, God chose us. He looked into the womb of our mothers, and he said, there's my daughter. Oh, don't you love her? I have a plan and purpose for her life. There's my son. Do you know the plan I have for him? One out of two million. So does he have a plan for us? Of course he does. He has an assignment for us. We weren't just picked because there was nothing better to do or just happened. Coincidence. I love that. There's no coincidence. We don't just happen. God chooses us for an assignment. He's called us for good purpose. No mistakes. Isaiah 44, 1 and 2. Hear then, O Jacob, my servant Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord, who made you your help, who formed you from the womb. From the womb. He formed us. He chose us. He called us. Zechariah 2.12 talks about how we're the apple of his eye. <laughs> we're the apple of his eye. The God of creation. You know, I, I, some people I'm sure have heard this story, but you know, in Florida, I, I'm, I'm sure you know by now I wasn't born in Florida, right? <laughs> okay, yeah, I, we're there 39 years though, from Long Island, New York, you just don't get rid of that, you know? <laughs> um, but anyway, in, in Florida, in the rainy, rainy season, sometimes you get these little tiny, what I call sugar ants, in the house. You get them by the sink. You know, they come with the moisture. Tiny, tiny, tiny little things. Well, we tried everything to get rid of them. You know, my husband put this sticky glue, you know, you put little paper around, you put this glue, they're supposed to step in it and get stuck. Forget it. They lick it off and walk. Yeah, they, they don't get stuck. We tried everything. We sprayed. We did. Whatever. And then... <laughs> tiny little ants, and I'm explaining. She goes, oh, yes, I know exactly. But she said, there's a couple of kinds. So I need to know, do they have white feet? <laughs> I, I said, I, I didn't even know they had feet. I, I, they're, they're tiny little they're ants, yeah. But what that, what that reminded me of is that God even knows what color our feet are. He knows every hair in our head. He knows us. And we're tiny like those little sugar ants because there's so many of us. He wants to give us everything we need. He gives us his very self, and we know that. We saw it on the cross. He gave his very self to us. So God the Father created us, each one of us, for his glory with a purpose Isaiah 43, 7 and 8, everyone who is named as mine, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made, lead out the people who are blind, though they have eyes, who are deaf, though they have ears. You see, we, there's a purpose for us, and we can't look like our neighbor that doesn't know the Lord. We have to rise above the brokenness in our lives and the woundedness in our lives. We have to recognize that our, our healings came over 2,000 years ago. It's about time we access them. 
We have to recognize that. By the way, I may as well apologize right now because I'm sure at some point I will say something that will offend someone. <laughs> and I'm really sorry, that's not my, my attempt, is not to offend anyone. I just have a passion to see people free and to step into their true identity. So I apologize ahead of time, and if that's you, please come up to me at the end and say, you offended me, and I'll apologize again. <laughs> so friends, the, the devil will do whatever he can to stop your plan, his plan, uh, the, the Lord's plan for your life to happen. He'll do whatever he can to try to stop our church. <laughs> but you see, the gates of hell can't prevail against him. He's standing on sand. He's a boogeyman. And he tries to lure us into realize, recognizing that he's bigger than he really, really is. We need to know this. So my story. My mom was an immigrant from Sicily. She was born in Marsala. My dad was first generation. He was from Naples. Um, they did get along. <laughs> I have a sister 12 years older than I am. Uh, there was no, no, no one in between, so it was my sister Jackie, and then 12 years later. Um, so the story goes, mom had the one glass of red wine she would ever have. <laughs> And here I am. <laughs> so I am um, I'm fond of red wine, <laughs> needless to say. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, my sister, when she was born, she had this um, very light skin. <laughs> they said strawberry blonde hair. She looked very much like my mom in her coloring, because my mother was very light, even though she was from Sicily, blue eyes. Um, and then I came along 12 years later, more resembling my dad. <laughs> Olive skin, you know, black hair all over me, you know, <laughs> long. <laughs> yeah, there was very different. <laughs> well, my cousins who were much older than me at that time, because I was really kind of the, the younger generation of all of them, you know, one of the cousins I remember looked at me and he said, you know, your sister, when she was born, and he describes her, but you, you scared the life out of us. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I could tell you at that point, my lies started in my life. You know, you translate the things that people say to you, the way people look at you, um, what you see, what you hear, you translate that. And for me, I translated that as I was getting older into I'm ugly. So that was my, the start of my lies. And you know, we all have lies in our life, all of us. Even if we've been raised in the purest of Christian environments, the truth is the world is not, I mean, this is a long time ago, but four, and I went to the, the park school, whatever that was, but it was school. <laughs> I was a public, I wasn't a Catholic, you know, I was going to public schools, I didn't go to Catholic schools. Um, except for, you know, our religious education. So I went there and I was, I was young. And I remember at uh, my communion, my parents really did not go to church until shortly, just a couple of years before they died. But they always encouraged me to go. So I went to all the sacraments, well, you know, I, um, 
I was preparing for First Holy Communion, and um, Sister Margaret Mary, she was a uh, St. Joseph sister. I, I've, I've been healed of this for the sisters in the room. I love sisters. <laughs> but <laughs> she was a St. Joseph sister. This is what you saw. <laughs> you know, and, and they had the long habits. So sister just kind of scooted around. <laughs> I thought she had, rose, uh, she had uh, roller skates on, you know, because she didn't move her legs. She just glided. <laughs> and she had a big, tremendous, at least for a little kid, a big, tremendous, big rosary around her waist. <laughs> so she scared the life out of me. I thought for sure she was over 100 years old, but she probably was in her 20s. <laughs> so I'm preparing for First Holy Communion. And um, we had to learn at that time, for those of you that remember this, the Baltimore Catechism. You had to memorize different things in the Baltimore Catechism. Well, my parents, they, they, I mean, that wasn't their thing. So for a little girl, that was kind of hard. Well, it's time now. First Holy Communion is in a few weeks, and, and you have to recite to Sister what you've learned. And I stand up in front of Sister, and I'm shaking. And she asked me a question, and I couldn't answer it at all. Well, she was able to pronounce a name that most people couldn't pronounce. You know, she looked at me and she said, you, Carol LaPanzina. I mean, who could say that, right? <laughs> you cannot make First Holy Communion because you are too stupid. Ah. Oh, I, but I, you know what, I, I have my dress, you know, and I want to be a bride. So with that, you know, uh, crying, the um, pastor of the church, Father Dennis O'Brien, who was like eight feet tall, <laughs> walks into the room and he sees this little bit of a thing sobbing and he said, sister, what's happening? He said, this is, again, Carol LaPanzina. <laughs> She's not making First Holy Communion. So he says, okay, sister. He says, sweetheart, come with me, come with me. You know, and we stood outside in the hall, we sat down, and he just calmed me down and started to ask questions. And at the end of it, he looked at me, and he said, there must have been a mistake. He said, because you know everything you need to know about Jesus, and you will make First Holy Communion. I said, tell her. <laughs> You're only the pastor, don't you know who you are? <laughs> yeah, but the reason I tell that story is certainly not to, um, you know, make light of the, the work that these wonderful men and women have done, but to show how easy it is to get wounded, especially as a, as a child. And I know I'm speaking to a lot of hearts there. You know, so, so, so my, my lies were, you know, you're stupid and you're ugly. And what that does is it puts you, it's shame. Shame comes from the lies. And it keeps you in a, uh, paralyzed in a place that God doesn't want you to be. For me, I was, uh, they used to call me painfully shy. Do I look shy to you? No, because that's not my, my identity is not shy. <laughs> yeah, but I was painfully shy. I wouldn't open my mouth. Why would I? Why would I? For someone to say, you don't keep your mouth shut. 
Keep your mouth shut. You know, you're stupid. No. You know, so you, you take on a false identity, the identity that, that the devil gives us. It's not the identity that God gives us. And, you know, these lies start to collect over time. So anything, like if someone would look at you and say, um, you know what, you look better in blue than you do in green. Don't wear green anymore. You don't hear that. What you hear is you're ugly. You know, or, or if you do poorly on a test, maybe a test that everyone else did poorly on, you don't see that, and you just tell yourself you're stupid. You know, some of the major lies in people's lives are stupid, ugly, I'm not good, I'm not good enough, I'll never be good enough, I can never achieve. You know, the men I work with now in the, in the seminary, you know, the big one, and it's usually right before uh, either diaconate or priestly ordination, they come into my office and they go, I don't know that I could do this because I'm really not worthy of it. I'm not good enough. And I go, yeah, well, that's true. We're, none of us are. <laughs> We're not worthy. We're right standing because of Jesus. But the lie is so strong. It manifests so strong. These are, these are areas that we can't take lightly. Because what happens is, see, my giftedness was locked up in that shame. And then the enemy posts fear right in front of the shame. And anytime you try to step out, fear says, get back there. How dare you? Don't you know you're shy? You can't open your mouth. And it pushes you back. So shame and fear dominate our lives. And that's why no matter where I travel in the world, I always talk about fear and shame. And in a congregation of 300, 400 thousands, always at least three-quarters of the people will stand up for healing in those two areas because it's a ploy. It's a lure that the enemy has. He wants to keep us in that prison of the false identity. Well, at 16, I started to date the then love of my life, the still love of my life at uh, almost 50 years. It'll be 50 years in February. My husband, Paul. <laughs> And you know, he looked at me, and we did, I didn't know it then, I know it now, but he looked at me through the eyes of God. He saw beauty. He saw purity. He saw giftedness. He didn't know why he was doing it. it was, we were in love. <laughs> we were in love, <laughs> and still are. <laughs> um, you know, my parents were encouragers. They kept encouraging me. They, my lies didn't, weren't, weren't fed at home. I mean, they looked at me, remember, after 12 years having a baby, you know, I, they looked at me like I was the best thing since sliced cheese, you know. <laughs> um, they thought I was absolutely beautiful and brilliant, smart. I, you know, I remember, well, they only went through the second or third grade. <laughs> so my, my thing was, the teachers know more than you know, Mom. You know, you're only in, you, know, you only went through second grade, third grade. And I would hear my mother on the phone, you know, talking to people. I'm like, oh, my Carol. My Carol is so smart. My Carol is so beautiful. But she would also say, my Carol is so tall. Well, you know, I, I mean, I have heels on, you know. <laughs> she was 4'11". <laughs> you know, I would look at myself in the classroom and say, I, she, they don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> 
So I went uh, part-time to college because I was encouraged so much. I received my, my bachelor's, my master's, my doctorate, and truly it wasn't until I was hooded um, and, and, and when I received my doctorate that I heard the Lord say, can we put this to rest? <laughs> I mean, you know, how, where are you going from here? <laughs> In 1969, um, my husband and I married, and you know, it was so beautiful because even though, I mean, we went to church, um, but we didn't, you know, we went to church. We didn't, we didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And e even though in that time, he just kept our love so pure and so chaste, um, and it was just a beautiful relationship. We were always, we were always good friends, best friends. You know, so we get married in 69, and it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. I was able to stay out past 12 o'clock midnight. <laughs> you know, before that, you had to be home five minutes of. You couldn't even wait till midnight. You know, you had to be in before. But there was still something missing in me. I mean, I was marrying the love of my life. Um, I thought that was it. That would make everything just perfect. And it was in the flesh, but there was something missing in my heart. And I remember at that time going to the play in New York on 42nd Street, Jesus Christ Superstar, <laughs> a rock opera <laughs> of all things. And I went with a, a Jewish friend and a, another Catholic friend. And we were sitting in the, in the first mezzanine. And when he was crucified, when they lifted the cross, it just so happens, it was like it was, he was right in front of me. And I knew in that moment that Jesus was Lord, and that he died for me. We leave the theater, and I was like a lunatic. I said, D girls, did you see what just happened? Jesus died for us. He died for us, each one of us. And they looked at me like, whoa, you know, who is she? Yeah. And they said, look, calm down. Calm down. He, he didn't die. This was a matinee. He's coming back tonight to do the same thing. <laughs> I said, no, no, you just don't get it. <laughs> you don't get it. Jesus died for us. <laughs> I remember running into the house that night and saying, Paul, he died for us. He died for us. And he said, that is nice. <laughs> you know, I mean, what do you do with that? <laughs> well, we continue to, to grow in the love that we had for one another. There was nothing at back then that was feeding that hunger that I had. We had our two sons, and I remember when I was pregnant for my first son, uh, Paul, I, I was nervous because I said, oh Lord, you know, what if he's ugly? What if he looks like me? You know, and I was just so nervous. And then he's born and he looked just like my husband. And I said, whoa, all right, yeah, we did it. <laughs> and then my second son is born, Timothy. And, um, and he's born, and he looks just like me, dark, hairy, and absolutely beautiful. <laughs> and I said, wow, I was a beautiful baby. <laughs> In uh, 1977, we, and I, I certainly will not go through every year in my life. <laughs> I, I know I always shake when there's a speaker and they go, well, back in 1970, and they go through each year. I won't do that. <laughs> my husband and I made a marriage encounter. You know, and at that time, we were best friends, so communication was not a thing for us. 
But what we did, what, what we connected with was the priest that was on that marriage encounter. And he spoke about the sacraments and the sacrament of marriage and what that meant, who we were. We were, we were, uh, we were Jesus to the rest of the world. People saw in us the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Spirit in, in the love that we had for one another. So we left there and we really felt like disciples, like missionaries, uh, because we knew that something had changed in us. And after that, we moved to Florida. We made a crucio. I know some people have made crucio. And, and, and we came into more of a personal relationship. And we came off of crucio. And that next week, we went through a Life in the Spirit seminar. And that was it. <laughs> Life was never the same again. Never the same again. You know, we went to, shortly after that, we went to um, a, a conference, the first conference we would ever go to, charismatic conference, first one we would ever go to in Miami. And there was a woman speaking there, and I, I think some people may uh, remember her, Auntie Babsy Bleasdale from Trinidad. Yeah, true gift to the church, true gift to the church. Uh, and she was speaking, and we were brand new. This was back in 1980. We were brand new. Um, you know, in this uh, renewal in the spirit. And I knew that I wanted to know her better. But she was so powerful when she spoke that I was looking around at the priests that were there because <laughs> I wanted to make sure she was Catholic at that time. <laughs> now I wouldn't care what she was. You know, she was powerful. <laughs> you know, we need to be one. <laughs> John 17 says, you know, we got to stop looking you know, at our brothers and sisters in, in, that are Christian as less than. We need to be one, all of us. But at that time, at that time, I wanted to make sure the priests liked her. You know, they had to like her. And they did. They were glued to her. She steps off the podium, and my husband looks at me. And he said, someday, I'm going to see you up there. Oh, I said, what will I say? So he said, he said, I don't know. I just know you'll be there. <laughs> so you see, the ministry, this ministry started through that prophetic word to two young people in the Lord, you know, that God was transforming, that he was stretching, that he was realizing in them their true, the true mission that they had. So he's, he's my, my best uh, prayer warrior. He is my prayer warrior. Um, so what the Lord did for me, you know, he turned my lies into my strength. So those that still struggle with your lies, first of all, it's over today. That's why you're here. God chose you, one, you know, called you, each one, by name to be here. So know that it's over because you're never going to forget this New York accent <laughs> telling you it's over. <laughs> so he, he took my li the lies in my life. They're not mine. They belong to hell, really. And he turned them into my greatest strengths. He gives me a desire to minister to people. I became a psychotherapist, and that has a sense of wisdom to it. See, everything that, that I saw as stupid, he said, no, no, you have my wisdom. That My wisdom is the only wisdom you need. A psychotherapist, an evangelist. I have the, the blessing of traveling uh, all over the world to minister to, to people just just like yourselves, um, a, a formator, a 
at the seminary. I started teaching at St. Vincent de Paul Seminary in Boynton Beach when I still had my practice. It was back in the late 90s. And at that time, I figured, wow, what, a, what an incredible privilege this is to be able to teach. And I was teaching one course in um, counseling at that time. But the Lord said, kept saying to me, no, there's more. You, you, you are going to be part of the formation of um, future priests and the continued formation of priests. And I just had this yearning, but I didn't know where that was going to go. And then in 2004, I received a call from the then rector of the seminary, and he said, are you ready to close your practice? Because I have a position on the formation team, and I really would like you to be a part of it. So I was ready to close my practice, and I, I joined the full-time formation faculty at St. Vincent's, which has been nothing but a blessing. It's a privilege to, to, to minister to those that will be ministering to us. It's a privilege to work with wonderful, wonderful priests. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. You know, God knows what he's calling to us to, even at our baptism. You know, when I was baptized, again, my parents, not really knowing too much about the faith, uh, they didn't know about the saint's name. And so I, I asked a very wise woman once, I said, what, who's my saint? I don't even, Carol is not a saint name. Who's my saint? And oh, she says, your saint is St. Charles Barameo. And I said, oh, I don't even, I, I don't like that name. You know, I, I just don't like that name. You know, can I be like uh, St. Therese? Or some, another name, a nice name. And St. Charles, yeah. But I came to recognize, actually, as an adult, who he was. You know, and that he was the, the, um, um, what word am I looking for? The uh, patron of priests and missionaries. My middle name is Jean, St. John Vianney. You know, priests, parish priests and missionaries. So God knew at my baptism. <laughs> my parents didn't know. I didn't know, but he knew. <laughs> he knew. God has so much more for us. So that lie prevents us uh, from truly being the light of, to the nations that Isaiah talks about. And this is a call for each one of us here. You see, there's not one person here that's not gifted. We are all gifted. We're all called. Every single one. The nations we go to are different. Your nation may be your home, your backyard, your next door neighbor, your workplace. Or it could be Malaysia. It could be Africa. It could be someplace else. I, we don't know. But the reality is, is until that lie is broken, until my identity comes directly from my relationship with the Father. That's why that's, that, uh, that worship song is so important, to know that the Father loves me and that he has given me my identity and that we are his supernatural children because we have the, the supernatural DNA of our Father in us, every single one of us. That when the anointing of God is present, anything can happen. Healings happen, restorations, deliverance, relationships are restored. Dry bones come alive. Dry bones come alive, whether they're in me individually or if they're in our church. I am not afraid. Are you afraid? I am not afraid because I know that our Father is working. I know that nothing can stop us. I know as Christians, we have the one truth. There is no other truth. 
But if I'm stuck in my lies and I'm so shameful to even open my mouth or to love someone, we don't have to, or we don't have to talk. We become the moral judges. You know, we, we, we learn a scripture and then we tell someone else, did you know this is what you need to be living? We don't need to be that. I need to be transformed by it so that I could be his very light. I could be the very salt. And that when people see us, they say, I want that. What is that? That's who we need to be. But I can guarantee you, if we stay stuck in our lies, it just doesn't happen. Sisters, brothers, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, each one of us. The Holy Spirit is the third person in the blessed Trinity. Hear me. He's not a force. He's not a power. He's not a bird. <laughs> it's a third person in the blessed Trinity. And when he comes to us, he doesn't come fragmented. One person gets a fingernail. The other one gets a finger. Another one. No. He comes to us as the person of the Holy Spirit. So we have everything we need to succeed in his plan for our life. His plan for our life. But we have to allow it to transform us. That stone has to be rolled away in my heart. I have to stay, step out of the illusion of fear. Hear me say that. Fear is an illusion. It's an illusion because as soon as we step out, the devil gets scared. And like Father said before, he has now overplayed his hand. He is afraid. And that's why we're starting to hear things. But sisters and brothers, we are not living in the same church where all these horrible, horrible things happened. The church we live in today is a very different church. The hope that I see in the men that I work with is amazing. In the priests that I work with is amazing. You know, there's a lot of victims here. And again, I don't make light of it. I work, 80% of my practice was with survivors of sexual abuse. 80% over 25 years. And not one was from a priest. 80% of my practice, hear me, over 25 years, and not one was from a priest. Are they there? Yeah. Do we need to take care of the survivors? Yeah, but all of the survivors. This is a survivor. The Lord is calling us to co-labor with him in areas of healing and deliverance. You know, we have a destiny, each one of us, and that's to, raise the, uh, to heal the sick, raise the dead, set captives free, and cleanse lepers. Every one of us comes out differently because we have different ministries. There's a commission on our lives to go to the nations. You know, we as lay people, those lay people that are here, we, the, the priest, the ordained priesthood empowers us 
to go to the marketplace. You know, we always want to put everything on the priest. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, no, go to Father. Oh, yeah, talk to Father. Oh, let Father heal you. Oh, let, get, he is empowering us to go to the marketplace, no matter where that is. The supermarket, the mall, <laughs> the workplace. I love praying with people in the supermarket. The whole supermarket stops. <laughs> I, I, was praying, I was praying with a woman in, in Trader Joe's. And then I, you know, I was at the chick, I was picking chicken out for dinner. And all of a sudden I hear this voice saying, do you know if this chicken is um, organic? So I just looked and I, I said, well, I don't, I don't know if it's organic. I know it's it, no GMO. I said, but I, I don't even know what that means. My daughter-in-law is just tell me, get the chicken with no GMO. So, I, I, so I, I'm obedient. You know. So I said, if it's organic, it has to have the mark. We're talking about chicken. And she said, well, the reason I've asked is because I was just diagnosed with breast cancer. And she says, I want to only put pure food in my body. So I said, can I pray for you right now? So she could, would you? So I stopped praying with her, and my, I went into whatever I go into, uh, praying in the middle of the chicken counter. <laughs> well, the rest of Trader Joe stopped. <laughs> Froze. It was like um, something out of Star Wars, you know, like, a, like a, 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 a powder came out of the sky, you know, and everybody just was frozen in time. And I prayed and I commanded and, you know, because we need to listen to the Lord. We have to hear the Lord. He tells us how to, how to pray. So he was saying, command that disease to be gone. I'm commanding in the middle of the chicken, you know, the, you know that that disease would be gone. <laughs> and as soon as I stopped, Trader Joe's started again. Everybody started moving. <laughs> he's given us, he's given us that anointing. He's given it to us. We already have it. We have to access it. We have to access it, every one of us. I would never be so bold to say something unless I hear the Lord say it. I don't want to just do it, you know, just out of the kindness of our hearts. No, when he says, do it, do it. You know, sometimes we question it. We go, did he say it? Didn't he say it? How did he say it? Would he say it? Well, I, do it <laughs> and let him perfect it. You see, if we don't start, we're not building up any of our supernatural muscles. We need to build them up. You know, I have two classes at the, um, I mean, I have many classes at the seminary, but two of my classes are classes in the Holy Spirit. You know, one, the first course, when they leave, they're baptized in the Spirit. The second, they're, they're, they're immersed in the, the gifts, and they're trained in using the supernatural. I mean, as far as Catholics, we see a miracle every day on the altar, Body, blood, soul, and divinity come alive <laughs> right there. <laughs> but yet, all too often, our priests are afraid to take it from the altar and bring it out. All of a sudden, something stops them from speaking boldly in the spirit, from healing, from deliverance. Something stops them. Oh, sure, there's, there's many that, that they don't get stopped. But all too many more that do. So, so we need to be trained. We need to recognize this is who we are. This is our true identity. 
One of the things that the Lord has given me is an anointing for the nations. And it's truly a blessing to go to different uh, nations and then the Lord will give a word and, and you know how to pray for that particular nation. I know when uh, one time Susan was with me and we were in Africa and, um, and the Lord wanted um, healing, forgiveness for the African people that were enslaved. And, and we were, I don't know, I guess we were about four or five from, from the United States, and we each came from different backgrounds. Who was from um, Europe? Who was from, oh, we were just different backgrounds. And we each um, asked for forgiveness. And then there was an African woman who asked forgiveness for the ancestors of those African slaves that sold them into slavery. Something happened that day. Something happened that day. There was, there was, there was a break in, in, uh, you know, in, the, in those hardened hearts. There was a change in the atmosphere. God has a plan and a purpose, something I could have never imagined when I was stuck in my shame, in my prison. You know, now the Lord says, I, I want my people healed. And the scripture doesn't even say pray for the sick. It says heal the sick. You know, and I know a lot of people here will say, yeah, but not everybody is healed. Well, how do you know? <laughs> how do you know? I don't know God's full mind. I mean, I don't want to know it. Then I could manipulate it. How do you know? He just says, pray. Know me more. So that you have a boldness to step out. I was in, um, in Tampa giving a, a retreat. And this is going back a few years, but it's a good story. And um, a woman I had given a retreat there maybe the year before or two years before. And the Lord was really moving in miracles. So I, I met this one woman on Friday night. We were picking up our supper. And she uh, introduced herself as Becky. And she had a cane. She was probably in her 50s. And I said, could I help you, you know, with it, bring this to your table? She says, yes, would you? She said, I have this debilitating disease. She said what it was. She says, I'm a nurse. I had to give up nursing. She said, the doctor said within uh, two months or three months, I'll be in a wheelchair. I won't be able to walk at all. Oh, all I heard was curse. <laughs> curse, those words. You know, we got to watch what comes out of our mouths, huh? We want to speak the promises of God, not this, the lies of the world. Doctors, I love doctors, they're wonderful, but the reality is they're not God. So we have to be very careful the words we speak. Anyway, I walk her to her table and the Lord says to me, tell her that by Sunday she will not need the cane. So it came right out of my mouth. I didn't even have time to filter it. I, uh, well, by Sunday you won't even need the cane. <laughs> so she said, oh, thank you. <laughs> and I walked away to get my supper. <laughs> And there was a woman, very, very nervous, uh, picking out stuff, and, and she says, I've never been to anything like this before, ever. She says, and I am so nervous. She said, the only reason I'm here, she says, she says, I'm a doctor in physical therapy. And she said, I heard when this speaker was here before, it was me, <laughs> she said, there were miracles that happened. And she says, I don't believe that. She says, I have to have empirical evidence Oh, so I said, well, by Sunday, <laughs> you'll have your empirical evidence. Well, Sunday comes, and Becky walks into the um, conference, straight as an arrow, no cane, just 
perfect, perfect gate. And she gets up and she gives testimony. She says, I knew from Friday night that God was doing surgery on me, but I was afraid to give up the cane. So I held on to the cane. And she said, I'm here to tell you. She said, I am healed. Well, the physical therapist raises her hand. <laughs> and she said, well, let me tell you what happened to me. And she tells the story about us meeting. And she said, Friday night, I'm sitting in the back. And I hear a voice say, watch the woman with the cane. <laughs> and she said, the whole weekend, I'm following her like this. <laughs> she says, I'm here to tell you that, <laughs> she says, I'm here to tell you that she walks perfect, like a person that has never, ever had a problem with her gait. She says, her gait is perfect. She says, and I am a believer. <laughs> So everything changed in her practice. <laughs> I mean, she, she's, um, she's telling people a different story now. So the Lord is healing. He's healing backs. He's healing stomachs. Lots of times, especially backs and stomachs, they're tied into unforgiveness. Not always. Sometimes they, they are physical, but they're tied into unforgiveness. So if there's anyone here that suffers with back, chronic back, chronic stomach, allow the Lord to reveal to you if there's someone that you're holding on to because although you're holding them captive, the enemy is holding you captive. And that's why your body is not healing as well. So he wants to heal um, backs and, and uh, we, I was someplace and it was up this way, um, Greens, Greensburg, Greensburg. Um, and I told the story of Becky. And with that, a woman came up for healing for her back. She had severe spinal stenosis. And she said there were bones, the same bone was missing from each knee. So people helped her up and sit in a chair. And uh, she said, you just have to help me get up because she says, I, ca I can't really walk on my own. Well, I said, but I just told the, the story of Becky. I said, so you know that, just receive, you know, receive that, that, that healing. And I just put my hand on her and I said, receive. And with that, she jumps up and starts running. The Lord not only healed her back, but he put the bones back in her knees. You see, we're talking about a supernatural God. I was in Italy in, in May. And a woman came up, she had a broken arm, and the doctor said, the way the arm broke, it will never. You'll, you will always be in pain because the bone is it's not straight and it's, it just, there's nothing we can do. She was in terrible pain, she had to wear a sling. I, again, these are word curses. So when we broke the word curses, the never things, you know, you will never, I, I mean, that we, we have the divine healer. And even if my body doesn't change, boy, my mind and my heart changes, and I look at things differently. But anyway, I, I ministered to her, and we prayed um, you know, for, for her arm to be restored to perfection. You know, dry bones come alive. She said, wait a minute, I don't have the pain anymore. Her arm was healed. Another man, the Lord had given a, a revelation that there was someone that had a, a metal bone. I think there's someone here, in fact, that has a metal bone in your leg or in your ankle. And he said, um, I, I'm removing. It was causing him so much pain, he couldn't even stand up. He says, I'm removing, I'm surgically removing the metal from, um, from your ankle. And the metal was removed. And this man was praising and jumping higher than any of us. You see, God has so much more. But we have to be ready to, to hear it. We have to be ready to see it. We have to change our 
thought process. You know, those, those, that mind that keeps us so rooted in this world. You know, Romans 12, 2 tells us, don't be conformed to this, to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Then you know what's good, perfect, pleasing, what the will of God is. See, we don't know that if we've been, we've all been evangelized, by the way, by the world. Because <laughs> it's so strong. We read the news, we read the newspaper. You know, I love what Father said, don't read the secular news. You know, because it, it, all of a sudden we get, we get, this anger comes up, this discouragement. You know, the, the devil has a personality. He has a nature, discouragement, distraught, <laughs> disillusionment. You know, so when those things start to bubble up inside of us, that's not from God. He said, look at me. Look at me because I have your best interest at heart. Look at me and I'll tell you the direction to take. Look at me and I'll heal you and restore you. Look at me, look at me. We have to surrender, surrender to his love, to his mercy, to his power, to his wisdom. That's who we need to be. So I know that, I'm just gonna ask if the music could um, give us some background. I know that there's people here today that may never, maybe they never heard this message before, that there is a father that's desperately in love with them. My life changed when I came to that realization, when I allowed him to heal my brokenness. You know, we, we've become too satisfied with uh, recovery. You know, I'm in recovery. No, the, 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 the God of creation, the divine healer, doesn't want us staying in recovery. He wants to bring us to healing. That's why Jesus died. That's why he took the punishment he took. He took it for us, not that we would stay in recovery. It's that we would make it to healing and be set free because he has a plan. We need to move out and do the things he calls us to do. So I know that there's some people that um, have never publicly professed that Jesus was the Lord of their life. I mean, yes, you know, do we say, I believe when as Catholics we're at church? Yeah. But how many of us say it because it's the words on a paper? We're reciting them. But we don't, we're not transformed. Because see, that takes choice. And in Romans 10, uh, seven. The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we preach. For if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart and so is justified and one confesses with the mouth and so is saved. So I'm just going to invite those that have never professed Jesus as their Lord and Savior publicly to stand right now. Stand right where you are. I'm not going to ask you to come forward because we really have no room. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, just stand. This is a time to step out of the illusion of fear. This is a new day. This is a new time. And if you're saying to, to yourself, well, I don't know if I did, then you didn't because you would know, because your life was changed. My life was changed. And just stay standing, because there's more. We know that there's more. Yeah, yeah, this is a good time. 
because you're going to start to realize a plan that's so much greater than anything you could imagine. If I would have ever thought as a young woman what God would do, I probably would have run and hide. God has so much more, so much more. And I'm going to ask those that maybe did make a profession, but you really forgot about it. Well, you haven't been engulfed in the fullness of what that means for your life. I'm going to ask you to join them and stand up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, and there's some of us here that we have profess Jesus as our Lord but sometimes we lose steam (laughs) and we need that extra boost, that extra courage sometimes we want our eyes open even wider so we see the direction he's taking us in and if that's you, I'm going to ask you to stand as well because you know, we could be committed to the Lord again and again and again And I just ask you to pray with me. Jesus, I love you. And I know that you died for me. In fact, I know that you were born to die for me. Thank you, Lord, for dying for my sins. Thank you, Lord, for saying yes to your Father. Thank you for your merciful love. I believe, Jesus, that you rose again on the third day. And that you will come again. I love you and want to live my life for you. Thank you for healing me. Thank you for setting me free. So, Lord, this day, you see your sisters and brothers standing. And I know, Lord, that you moved in their heart. I know that there's people here that suffer the shame of the lies that they've held on to. Lies that tell them they're not good, they're not good enough, they'll never be good enough. Lies that tell them they're stupid, or they're fat, or they're ugly or they're too skinny, or whatever, they, whatever they've learned that didn't come from you, Lord. Because you tell them they're precious and glorious in your sight. And you tell us time and time again how much you love us, that you love us so much that you sent your son. So Lord, this day, I pray that you cover us from the top of our head to the bottom of our feet with your precious blood. That blood that heals, it restores, it delivers, it sets us free. Lord, let your blood run through every vein, every artery, touch every cell in our body. Let your blood flush out the woundedness in our heart and erase the scars on our soul. 
And Lord, show yourself. Show yourself in the darkness. In the darkness of the lies. Bring light and truth so that we know that we're your sons, your daughters. Just hear the Lord speak to your heart right now. He's telling you the truth. There's someone here that's saying, yeah, but you just don't know how bad I was. You don't know how much I've sinned. And I hear the Father saying, oh, yes, I do. And that's why I sent my son. Be free. Be free. Just receive. There's people that need healing in their bodies. Shoulders. There's, there's some people that have real stiffness in their shoulders. It might be bursitis in their shoulders. The Lord is touching that right now. So receive healing. Move it. Move the parts of your body that, that you came, hurt with, that were hurting when you came. Just move them because you're going to notice that you don't, you're, you're, not, you're not feeling the pain. There's some in the legs. People have legs that have been bothering them. Move them. Backs. Move them. Move them. Show them that you trust them. Move them. You're going to see it. You're going to realize it. You're going to feel it. Be absorbed in his healing. Be absorbed in his healing. He has more. He has more. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we come against any word curses that were spoken over anyone that's here. Lord, you speak promises over us, and we read them throughout your word. But words are very important. Lord, when you spoke, chaos turned to order. You became the Word. The Word made flesh. So words are important. So Lord, if there's anyone that has had spoken word curses over them, or if they made vows to themselves and said things to themselves, Lord, sever them, break them, rebuke them, renounce them, and help them be mindful of them so that they can do the same. Thank you, Lord. And we do this all in your name, Lord, because we have no power to do anything without you. Without you, we're nothing. With you, we're everything. And you know, every one of us, I don't care if we've been um, in the spirit for the longest time, if we've been renewed for the longest time, doesn't matter. God always has more for us. And I truly believe that he wants to give us fresh fire. He wants to give us fresh fire. Fresh fire today. So I'm just going to ask you to ask for it. Lord, I want fresh fire today. You have to open up your mouth and ask. Lord, I want fresh fire today. I want fresh fire. Let's raise our arms and say, Lord, I want fresh fire. I surrender to you. Thanks so much for listening to this Magnificat podcast. Have you been touched by our time together? If so, for more information or to find a Magnificat chapter near you, go to our website at magnificat-ministry.org. Or visit us on social media. We would love to hear from you. You can also email us at magnificatcst at aol.com or call 504-828-MARY, M-A-R-Y. Until the next time, may God bless you.